the antidote. 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 You're listening to the antidote with Dave Hawkins. With Christian music that doesn't suck. got the antidote where Christian music doesn't suck. I'm Dave Hawkins, and thanks for tuning in. Tonight's guest on the antidote surprised me. After finishing up as a band over a decade ago, Chasing Victory decided to come back, and that made me more than happy because I've always loved their music. 
Our first song is the title track from Chasing Victory's just-released EP, Friends, Volume 1. And this release is just as solid as everything they've put out in the past. <laughs> now, don't worry, I'm not going to go all fanboy about Chasing Victory, but it was a total pleasure to have the band come for a talk about that lost decade, their early music, this new EP, and of course, what's in store for the future. Here it is. It's awesome to have Adam Harrell and Michael Lamb of Chasing Victory here on The Antidote. Guys, thanks for coming. Thanks for having us. Before we get into your new music, I want to go back to the band's past. I mean, I first heard Chasing Victory with your 05 release, I Call This Abandonment. The opening track, Oceans Away, was what really grabbed me. I mean, that's an insanely catchy song. I know the band had an EP prior to I Call This Abandonment. But this was the album where Chasing Victory needed to make an impact. Did that make it intimidating to record? I don't think it was intimidating as much as it was just uh, a kind of a new segment for our band. We, uh, we released I Call Us Abandonment on Mono vs. Stereo. And before we did that record with them, uh, we did the EP. But <laughs> even before that, we went through a pretty long process of demoing uh, material, and I think they were just trying to see if we could develop ourselves as an artist and provide whatever support they could to help us figure out what we wanted to do, how we wanted to sound. So we had we had been through quite a bit of recording and writing, and and uh, we started to feel a little more comfortable uh, once we got to abandonment, I think it's safe for me to say that for everybody. I mean, I don't think we, you know, by any means we developed our sound or anything like that with abandonment, but we were certainly starting to, uh, to get to that place. It was a fun process, more or less. Yeah. And one thing I would add too is the pressure was there, I guess you could say, but at the same time, when we recorded abandonment, I mean, we had just gotten out of high school. So the pressure was there, but at the same time, we, we were kind of naive to what was going on. We were just more or less hanging out, trying to write music that we loved and bring, uh, you know, high intensity to our music. But it was abandonment that got that attention. I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say that Chasing Victory exploded into the music scene with that release. Was that what you were expecting? I definitely didn't. I mean, uh, you know, I'm I'm probably our biggest critic. <laughs> Just you know, <laughs> as a vocalist, you look back at things you said or wrote lyrically, you know, ten or twelve years ago, and in this case, and you know, you kind of cringe at some of the things. But you know, that's part of growing and and learning, and and you know, you try to be honest in your lyrical content. But fifteen years from then, you'll be in a different place. So, you know, I, I don't think that we expected anything to come of it. Um, we certainly had very strong support with our record label. They believed in us a lot, probably more than we believed in ourselves. And uh, so they kind of helped provide some of that support and um, motivation to get us going in the right direction. Plus, we had an amazing producer. Um, Nathan Danzler recorded and produced that record. He ended up doing Fiends as well, just because we enjoyed how much he helped us grow as a band. Um, bands that don't get in the studio with a good producer, I, I feel, are, are really missing out. It's nice to actually hear from an artist who said that their label did support them, because so often I hear from bands, and they tell me the opposite story. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, to some extent, they were limited at what they could do, but I will say that they they absolutely put everything they had behind us and, and the other bands that were there. Uh, you know, at least with me, you know, that was the dream was to sign to a record label. So I think there's probably much bigger expectations that come along with signing with a label. During that time, the dynamics of what a label does for a band today are different than they were then. But even then, there's only so much a label can do for you. It's a team effort to really make a band successful, and, and you have to write marketable music. I mean, at the end of the day, if people don't want to hear it, then you know, you're not going to be successful. So our record label, they did all that they could for us, and we were, we were very happy with our relationship. Well, there's no question. It's a great song, and it was my introduction to the sound of Chasing Victory from the I Call This Abandonment album, is oceans away. Made me at the shore. should really talk about the nature of chasing victory itself. When we first got in touch about having this interview, Adam, you made a point of saying that Christian band is something we got labeled early on because faith is a topic we covered lyrically, 
and because we were signed to a division of a Christian record label. Did the tag Christian band cause you trouble? You know, I don't know about trouble. Um, and early on, we certainly would have called ourselves a Christian band. You know, we, we all met in a small town, um, and our, we were all in the same youth group together at a, the same church. And so we had a lot of mentors that kind of helped guide us in that direction. And certainly at some point in the beginning, we, we decided we wanted to be a Christian band. I don't think we really knew what that meant, but we were all Christians we were all in a youth group together, and, and that was just the label that we gave ourselves. Then, you know, we signed to Monoverse Stereo, and they were a subsidiary of a Christian label. So that kind of, you know, helped fuel the moniker of, of Christian band. But I think as we got, you know, into the music industry, we started to see that being a Christian band, playing our style of music, first of all, there was only so far that we could go with that. Um, and the other thing is, it's pretty interesting when the secular world of music and the Christian world of music meet. And what I mean by that is we would play bars and dives mostly. But then we would play a church, and those same people would come to a church, and uh, some of those shows get kind of rowdy, you know, in, in that hardcore genre. And, you know, there were many occasions that shows got stopped or we got kicked out. or <laughs> So, you know, those two worlds meeting together certainly caused uh, some friction at times. But ultimately, we never disliked the label, I guess, uh, of being a Christian band. It just, there's a lot of assumptions that come along with being a Christian and, and what that means. And, and if you don't live up to those preconceived notions, then you can uh, expect a lot of criticism, uh, which we got from time to time. So, you know, that's the only reason I, I kind of gave you that disclaimer is I didn't want anybody to think that... Uh, we're some kind of ministry uh, or gospel band or anything like that. <laughs> that, that. We've been mistaken for that before and uh, ended up getting kicked out of places when they found out we weren't quite that. <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> well, you spoke about playing bars. I guess at 17 and 18, you weren't playing too many of those. You wouldn't even be allowed in. Oh, yeah. I mean, you'd be surprised. As long as you're not drinking, they'd slap a underage bracelet on your wrist and let you on in because I don't think any of us were really 21 for very long before we disbanded in 2007. So I turned 21 in 2006. And so pretty much the entire stint of our, you know, career as Chasing Victory, you know, traveling full time, we did so as, you know, technically minors <laughs> as far as drinking age goes. You spoke about Chasing Victory basically disappearing after 07. What was it that brought that about? Well, it was a few things. Um, by the time we stopped playing, you know, some of the member change happened. Uh, you know, we kept a core group together, myself and Adam and uh, Jeremy Lowry, who's our drummer. Um, and the other parts all kind of changed and morphed. But when we were so young, Jason, he decided he wanted to go to college. He had never been. So when we got those other members, being from such a small town in, in South Georgia and there's really not any major cities around us, uh, the other members of the band actually came from bands that we had played with that we had become good friends with. Um, so when we broke up, we all kind of went our different directions. It wasn't planned this way, but when, when we kind of separated, we all went, you know, three hours away from each other. 
Um, and when you play 300 shows a year like we were doing and seeing each other every day and, you know, living in a van together, not that we got sick of each other, but, you know, you kind of get your feel. I mean, we, we never really had any big arguments, big fights. We still get along today. We talk virtually every day to each other, and these are some of my best friends in the entire world. It just kind of happened that way. And um, ultimately, you know, it came down to the bottom line. We were running out of money very quickly, so we had just come off some big tours. But once you start getting some cash flow in, you got to start paying your bills. We got caught up on our bills and had no money to speak of. So at that point, we decided we needed to come home, maybe get some jobs for a little while until we could, you know, get on some tours that were going to generate a good bit of money. And, you know, and then we just started families. So it's kind of hard to put the pieces back together. It was definitely difficult to try to put a tour together and us leave jobs that were now, you know, making great money and, and, uh, you know, my wife certainly wasn't happy if I were to start talking about going on tour again. Uh, it really just kind of happened naturally. Um, there was no hard feelings with the guys or labels or anything like that. I mean, it was just one of those things that it, it just didn't make sense anymore for us to continue to tour at the level we were doing it at, um, you know, without some kind of big break. Uh, I think every band kind of looks for that big break that plunges them from poverty to you know at least having some kind of moderate income and i would imagine today with so many bands doing it there's even less money to be made than there was when we were doing it i don't talk to anybody that's making money (laughs) (laughs) it's that real world situation where responsibilities you know crush the music dream yeah and i'll say this much i I remember a conversation our a and r had with us when they were discussing signing us, he told us, he said, you know, there's a fraction of a chance that you'll actually make a career out of this. So if you go into it knowing that, you can have fun. But if you go into it thinking every day, why are we not making it, then you're not going to enjoy the process and it'll last just a couple of months. Uh, But I think in the back of our minds, we knew that there was uh, a time limit on it. You know, it was going to run its course at some point. It lasted a lot longer than I expected, so, you know, I I look at it as an awesome opportunity.
from the Fiends album by Chasing Victory. That album brought in a different sound for the band, and that change comes up in the next part of my talk with Michael and Adam. I have to tell you guys that Chasing Victory is probably the least dependable band around. (laughs) And I, I do mean that in a good way. Each release has brought in a different sound, especially when you guys moved from I Call This Abandonment to Fiends. You brought in more melody, more guitar, and more clean vocals. Were you not afraid of alienating your fan base? I don't think so. I think we were more interested in writing good songs that we enjoyed, that we wanted to play every night, and that we what we felt like were strong musically and lyrically. Um, I think really it kind of just evolved into that naturally. I don't really think we were really shooting for anything specific. I think what we wrote just kind of came out and we liked it. And uh, we felt like it was a good product that we enjoyed playing. You know, we went through about five different members um, over the course of Chasing Victory between bass and one of the guitar spots. And uh, we recorded Abandonment uh, with seven people. We had a bass player and a guitar player that were leaving the band after we wrote Abandonment, and we had a new guitar player and bass player coming in at the same time. So we went into the studio with seven people. And then when we went to write Fiends, um, it was the five people that you know pretty much carried the touring era of Chasing Victory through, um, which was me, Michael, Jeremy, and then Chris Cargill and Chris Crutchfield. So the dynamic of the band kind of changed a little bit, writing Fiends. Plus, we were getting better at our instruments, and, uh, you know, there was very little we could do on guitar. I mean, I think we had one effects pedal uh, for On Fiends, and it was a delay pedal, and we all shared it, you know. And, and we knew how to do basic power chords and, you know, a couple dissonant chords that we like to play. But for the most part, we were pretty limited as musicians. And, and as we grew, our styles changed, our, our tastes changed, and even our members changed. Uh, you know, the sound just kind of naturally evolved. And like I said, I don't think we ever had anything we were shooting for. We just had certain things, chord changes and things that we felt like we did well. So every time we'd go to write something new, we'd say, let's do those things again in this song. Um, You know, and like you mentioned, the screaming and, and, you know, definitely coming down to more clean vocals. Um, I think that was just something that kind of came with age. Like I mentioned, we went to the studio with Nathan Danzler. And um, I, I didn't know how to sing when we went into abandonment, which is why I screamed a lot. And Danzler really helped me develop my voice and, and taught me how to sing well. And then by the time we got to Fiends, you know, he said, all right, I want to hear you singing more on this record. And he spent a lot of time working with me on vocals. 
and he helped me develop myself as a vocalist. Uh, you know, I can attribute a lot of that change to him as well. Musically, when you're writing a song and you get stuck in a rut, you kind of have a go-to, you know, something that you're comfortable with that's just natural. Uh, and I imagine the same thing with vocals. If you can't come up with a good vocal melody to go over this guitar part, then you wind up just screaming. You know, it's an easy out. But as you grow at your craft, you don't have that one go-to. You have four or five go-tos, and then you grow a little bit more for your next writing session, and then you don't have the four or five go-tos. You go seven or eight, and then it just has a flow to it that evolves because you're just better at what you're doing. Here it comes, the title track from Fiends. I've been feeling kind of sick to my stomach. It's just a gimmick, but the kids seem to love it. And if you're patient, you can witness the sellout. I'm not a killer, but Hollywood's gonna drown.
you'd never get into the situation where you would say that abandonment was better than fiends or vice versa. I wouldn't. <laughs> I mean, you know, we all have our different opinions, you know, about our music. And I think even if you take this latest EP that we did, this only has four songs on it, but I would say all four songs are very different. And um, they were all written by different people, and, the, and it shows. And each person's kind of interpretation of how they want to play something is expressed in each one of those songs, which is why they turn out a little different. I remember a review we got on fiends that kind of struck a chord with me, but only because they said something in a, in a negative way about us, but I took it as a compliment. And they said, chase and victory sounds like they can't figure out what they want to do with the music. And I kind of like that because I think once you figure out what you want to do, that's when you get stuck in a rut. I mean, if you just write what comes naturally and you have fun with it. And at the end of the day, everybody in the band's pretty well happy with it. I consider that successful. I was going to say it's been a long, long time since anything new came from Chasing Victory, but I suppose I should qualify that because the band did bring out one single in 2016. Why was that? Well, <laughs> it's kind of funny. So we, uh, we actually started talking about a reunion in the summer of 2016. We kind of made this pledge that we were going to get together and hang out our families included and all of us were going to get together. So we actually did that in 2016 at my house and we just kind of were hanging out and uh, it had nothing to do with music, but we were talking and I had actually written a few songs. Some of the songs, even Kenosis, I wrote several years ago, but I just never had a, a vehicle to release it through. So I showed some of the stuff to the guys and they really liked it. And, uh, Finally, we just kind of started talking about how difficult would it be for us to come back together and just maybe write music, and if, if shows come available and we can actually play them, we'll play them. Um, we began those conversations, and we ended up doing uh, that song, She Haunts Me, that year um, in 2016, and we had pretty much every uh, expectation to release a record in 2017. But unfortunately, because we all live so far apart and we have families and careers, it took a lot longer to put together an album than we thought, which is why we ended up deciding to release Friends in uh, multiple volumes, because we certainly weren't finished with the idea of Friends, and we don't want to you know, put the book in on this volume. And we have a lot more uh, material written but it's just difficult for us to all get together and record. I mean, like Michael said, we're kind of all over the place, so it's it's tough for us to get together and, and do anything. And So that's how She Haunts Me got released in 2016, and, and then it took almost you know a year and a half before we could release the record. I'm Adam Harrell. And I'm Michael Lamb from Chester Victory. And you're listening to The Antidote. Back all the 
Me, the band's single from 2016. Adam and Michael have often spoken about the new EP Friends Volume 1. Here's some of the details about that release. It's been 11 years since Chasing Victory had a full new release. You're not teenagers anymore. You know, the gray hair is coming in and you've got Friends Volume 1. Some of us are lucky to have any hair, man. (laughs) (laughs) I know about that issue. (laughs) Yeah, I I got zero hair. (laughs) I suppose the one thing that I really wonder is, how much has your songwriting evolved and changed since 07? I think quite a bit. I mean, when we started talking about doing this record, um, I talked to Brad, our A&R, a little bit about it and just kind of asked for some pointers. and, And one of the advice he gave me was, you know, do what you want to do as far as songwriting but don't make it so different that it's unidentifiable as who you were, you know, because ultimately you want to appeal to the same people. That wasn't very difficult for us to do because we still have a strong connection to that music, to that scene, to that uh, time period of music. 
I think one thing that we've been able to do with these four songs and the songs that we're writing for the next volume is incorporate a much wider span of music. You know, bring in some elements of classic rock. Uh, you know, Friends had a small element of kind of surfer rock to it. Um, you know, just bring in some different elements that we weren't, we, we had no idea, you know, about when we were 18 and 19 writing our other albums. I mean, back then we were writing post-hardcore music. We were touring with metal bands and hardcore bands. So that was pretty much all we were listening to, you know, unless somebody said, hey, there's this artist you need to check out. But, you know, having so much time in between the records, we've grown, you know, in, in the our taste of music and what we enjoy. But also we kind of just don't have any rules anymore. You know, we just write what we want to write. And uh, so I think it's evolved to some extent. I don't think that we ventured too far out from what, you know, our previous records were. When we tracked Friends, uh, Jeremy tracked the drums. Adam was the only one there. They did it at Adam's house. When I tracked the guitars for the EP, it was just me and Adam. Um, nobody else was there. We got lucky enough when Jason and Chris, the other two guitar players, to come in and do their parts i was available that weekend and so i was there it's kind of been done in pieces but without the technology that we have it, it could have never happened if this would have happened you know in the early 2000s or late 90s we would just be stuck with you know where we were between 07 and 16. and what you're describing is so typical of how the music world works nowadays yeah I and I, I kind of assume that that's the way a lot of people write now. I mean, with digital recording, you know, two or three pieces of small equipment and you can record on the go. But there's something pretty special about sitting around with like-minded musicians and just jamming and just seeing what comes out naturally. A little earlier, you brought up the one song, Kenosis, which you included on the new EP. On that song, you pull in the line, you know all of your children, saints and the damned. We are breeding confusion, calculating your plans. Isn't that true of all of us? I mean, Christian and non-Christian alike? I certainly think so. You know, one thing I've thought a lot about as I get into my 30s is the world is not quite as black and white as maybe I thought it was when I was younger. You know, there's a lot of gray areas in life, but you know, when it comes to religion or, you know, Christianity specifically, which I'm familiar with, we try to make a lot of axiomatic claims. There's a lot of certainty surrounding things. Um, and I think whenever you try to bring certainty into the equation of things like faith, you really just end up causing more confusion. That's my personal experience. Um, and that's kind of what that song is really about is just wrestling with the idea of certainty and wrestling with the ideas of uh, kenosis itself, which is a, a Greek term that's used in the Bible. Yeah, I mean, it was just kind of me wrestling with the idea of certainty, and I, I, I'm beginning to believe that it causes more problems than it does in, in areas of faith than it does actually solve things. But that's a good thing, isn't it, to question and to seek answers? Oh, yeah. I think it's a great thing. I mean, that's that's kind of what has led me on this journey of questioning certainty, questioning even my own faith, my own beliefs, um, 
I think it's something that everybody should do. I think the quest for truth never stops in your life. It's a journey. It's not a destination. It's I don't think truth is something you ever arrive at, but it's just something you constantly seek. So I, I think there has to be um, a certain amount of questioning the things that you maybe thought you were certain about at some point and, and putting them to the test.
Kenosis from Chasing Victory's just released EP, Friends Volume 1. Personally, I haven't found that much of a change musically between this EP and the Fiends album, but certainly the lyrical content is different. There's lots of variety coming up on future episodes of The Antidote. You'll hear the rock of Newcomer, Until We Die, the activism of Remedy Drive as they battle against human trafficking, and even a metal opera based on the Bible from Italy's Enzo and the Glory Ensemble. And that's all coming up in a few weeks' time. Next week on The Antidote, I'll bring in a split feature on 13 Minutes and Hand of Fire, two bands with new releases that are really making big news in the music charts. Obviously, there's more to come of my talk with Chasing Victories, Michael and Adam, And I'll finish off with a song from Friends Volume 1 EP that really does have an odd name. Enjoy this, and I'll see you again next week. I've got to tell you guys that I laughed when I saw the band move from the album title Fiends to Friends Volume 1. But (laughs) this release can't simply be a nostalgia trip for the band. Does the EP itself have an intent? Sure, and I think... uh... I wish I could say there's this super profound theme within the, the songs, you know, that goes throughout the record, but it's really not. I, I try to put one together, and, and something I keep coming back to is I write a lot about wrestling with ideas. So I'm not too crazy about the idea of certainty, and I, I like the wrestle. I like the, the struggle and the learning and the, the journey. But something that I've realized is that the journey is it's an easier pill to swallow when you do it with other people. So when you have people around you that you trust, that you can talk to about things and um, support you, or maybe, hey, say, hey, you're getting out of left field with that, or maybe you should try to think about this or read this book or or look into this uh, lecture or whatever, I kind of notice that those issues are much easier to solve or to find some kind of peace with those issues if you do it with someone else. So there was somewhat of a, a theme throughout the record about, you know, dealing with your problems with friends or those who are close to you. Uh, but also, it was just an easy transition from fiends. I mean, you know, the words are so close. Yeah, all you got to do is put an R in it. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, it, it really just had a lot to do with us coming together again. But also, like, you know, fiends, I, uh, lyrically, I, I talked about a lot of, vices or issues, but I never really talked about solution. Uh, Solution is kind of a a conclusive statement, but some way to find peace in that wrestling. And I I think Friends is a good place to start. Well, let's get into another one of the songs from that. The closing track of Friends Volume 1 is no regrets, not regrets, regrets. (laughs) Maybe that's just how you spell it in Georgia. I don't know. But it's, its lyrics say, we could go back to start before it all fell apart. Come erase my damaged memory. I think I'd rather be a little naive. Does that mean that ignorance is bliss? I think, yeah, that's kind of what I'm getting to. So, I mean, no regrets kind of, it's kind of a very, very um, simplified synopsis of yeah, I mean, I'm a country bumpkin, but I can use some big words occasionally. <laughs> it's kind of a simplified <laughs> synopsis of a little bit of a paradigm shift that I've gone through in the last four or five years. 
again, wrestling with changes that I've made in my life, things that have changed about um, maybe my beliefs, political thoughts. You know, things have changed for me a lot as I've gotten into my 30s. And I know I think I'm an old person, but I kind of am an old soul. But as I wrestled with the idea, I often think about certain things in my life that were easier when I was a little more naive um, and maybe thought the world was a little more black and white than I believe today. So I, I kind of wrestle with that in the song. I don't mean to sound pretentious. I mean, Chasing Victory has always been very tongue-in-cheek. So I, I do talk about maybe some deeper issues, but I think at the end of the day, we all kind of laugh about them. You know, part of having a support group is being able to joke and laugh about them. And actually brings me to another good point is the cover of the record kind of encompasses that ability to just kind of laugh something off. So the cover of the record is our bass player. And it's a picture of him having these leg braces as a kid. And they kind of brought him some torment. He got picked on. But now he can sit around and laugh about them. You know, and you can talk about your insecurities. I think that's part of, like, the healing process of, of you know, those type of things is, is being able to talk about them and laugh about them and uh, just get over them. That's why we went with that image for the album. I thought it kind of fit perfectly. I think you guys have made it pretty clear that Friends Volume 1, it's opened up the door for another release from Chasing Victory. This is meaning that more new music isn't just wishful thinking? Yeah, I mean, we, we certainly want to keep making music. We don't want to put any more timelines on it <laughs> because, like you said, we're the least dependable band. You are exactly right when you said that. Um, we're not very good at meeting timelines, and uh, we don't have any timelines for the next volume, but we are working on it diligently. We certainly have plenty of material ready to start on the next volume. It's just trying to decide which ones we want to go with and how we want the next volume to sound. We want it to you know, we want to please people, and, and we do want to write something that we're proud of. And uh, seeing that we're recording it all ourselves, you know, we want to make sure we do the best job on it that we can do. So, um, you know, we're going to take our time. We're going to do it right, and uh, hopefully, you know, it'll be released sooner than later. Michael, Adam, thanks for coming on The Antidote, and best of luck with Chasing Victory. Dude, thank you for having us. It's been an absolute pleasure. Not a problem. Thank you, bud. 